Hi, this is Nigel Gordon-Johnson. Hope you're well. Uh, we are moving ever so rapidly through to uh, 2021. I know it's only a couple more days and we're there. Thank goodness everybody is looking forward to getting rid of 20, 2020. Suffice to say, it hasn't really been the greatest of years for many of us. Some not so bad. I mean, if you're if you're Amazon, for instance, pretty good year. I think you're probably probably quite safely done that. Elon Musk, he's done pretty well this year as well. But for a lot of others, we haven't. And and one of the things that I wanted to talk about today was um, the this thorny topic of job interviews. So we all have them and we all have to do them. And they've changed slightly because most people are going through video interviewing these days. But I wanted to put something together and it's sort of part of the the job masterclass series that that we've been doing and as part of that we've been looking at the 10 things you should never do at your job interview so we're always told how we should perform what we should be doing but we never often talk about some of the things that we perhaps shouldn't do and it sort of reminded me because it, it what prompted me with this was something that happened many many years ago you know, I, I know that I think we all do that interviews can be a pretty daunting experience at the best of times. And I'm sure that all of us can share horror stories of when we've had a nightmare at interview. Um, certainly one of the early interviews I had was for a sales role. So we are going back a little while uh, at a large technology company. Um, I really wanted to work for these guys. You know, I'd been chasing for a while. Um, I've been pretty successful at what I was doing, but I wanted to to go to that sort of next level uh, of sales. Uh, it was a more complex enterprise software. Um, it would have suited me absolutely perfectly. So absolutely over the moon when I realized I got the interview. So did everything I needed to do, research the role, the hiring managers, the company, the market. I literally had everything prepared. Day of the interview came inevitable i woke up with the mother of all colds that was rapidly turning into full-blown flu roaring temperature sweats the lot i knew i couldn't cancel it i had waited far too long for my opportunity and i knew if i did cancel i wouldn't get a second chance there was there was just no hope of that happening so i decided you know what i'm going to be brave try my best to perform no cold was going to get the better of me. So off I went, arrived at the company's headquarters. Uh, I parked up. It was a bit of a walk to get to reception area of the office. I'd had to drive around the car park to find a, a parking space, but I was just about on time. Wasn't feeling my best, but knew I could suck that up for an hour or so and perform pretty well. Maybe not 100%, but you know, well enough. Gathering all my things from the front seat of the car, my papers, my pens, phone, etc., all of that kind of stuff, I then heard that quite familiar pit-pat noise coming from the roof of my car. And it's familiar if you're living in the UK, um, as I have done for most of my life, you'll know exactly what that means. I knew I had no time to sit it out because I was literally a minute away from when I was meant to have got in. So I had to get into top gear, make a dash for it. No sooner had I opened the car door with all my things together, literally the heavens opened. I had no umbrella. So I thought, to hell with it. I'm, I'm a pretty fast runner. I'm going. So I sprinted out of the blocks across the car park, weaving my way 
through the plethora of parked cars like an Olympic slalom skier. My grip was slightly letting me down. The smart shoes with the, the leather soles that I was very proud of and had recently purchased were not really my friend in this instance. And my freshly dry cleaned suit was taking an absolute pounding from the English waterfall that was gushing from the, what I would say is a sort of dark and foreboding clouds that descended. But in spite of the obstacles that were starting to appear before me, I made it to the front of this. And the only way I can describe it was like a shimmering glass monolith. It was uh, one of those state-of-the-art modern office blocks, which conveniently had no canopy and a locked front door. So, and the security was set that you had to be buzzed in. But you know, could you find anywhere there was no button to press? to alert people that you were there. So it was one of these ones where CCTV was going to see you. I was manically tapping on the glass door whilst the rain turned into a torrent. It was at that moment that my thoughts moved away from my impending interview and momentarily to the architect who designed the building, or at least the entrance part of it, because not only was there no canopy, but the sleek glass panels that covered the building were acting as, as some sort of rain accelerant, shooting off the roof, down the building, and of course directed straight at me. It felt like I was sort of now standing under Niagara Falls. It, it really was feeling like that. The knocking on the door that I was doing was becoming more and more frantic. Where on earth was the receptionist? Where was security? And I start thinking, you know, are they sat in some back room gathered together laughing at me while they were watching me on CCTV. Eventually, I heard that familiar cry of the front door buzzer. So I pushed with all my might and um, reached sanctuary at last. But I was absolutely drenched from head to toe. Trudged over to the front desk, stood there gazing at the receptionist whilst trying to keep my composure. Um, stood to attention in the front of the desk, the sound of the water sort of dripping onto the highly polished marble floor was echoing around the cavernous hall. It was complete silence, only then broken by the quite smartly dressed receptionist come security guy who, who asked me, is it raining? Obviously, I thought, you know, he's, he's bright. You know, he's, he's uh, trying, to, trying to make a bit of a joke of it, but I think he was actually serious. But uh, I, re I replied, yeah, I, how could you tell? Trying my best to crack a smile. So the rain may have dampened not only my spirits, but also had awakened my cold from its medicinal snooze. I started the shivers. You know what it's like when you feel like that and feel hot, then suddenly cold, a little bit faint. I announced that I'd arrived for an interview. And before I could even finish the names of who it was that was going to be interviewing me, the receptionist interrupted me with, Oh, and here they are. I thought, that's great. So now I've got my two interrogators walking down to come and meet me in reception. And the first thing they're seeing is some somebody that looks and resembles more like a, a deep sea diver who'd completed Navy SEALs Hell Week than the, the, the star candidate who's coming for this job. So they look me up and down. More than once, I would say, uh, and I could sense that sort of look of disdain that was welling up within their entire being. I instinctively, I thrust my hand out to greet them, 
They in turn took my hand and obviously we shook hands, but their faces immediately etched with horror because what they were holding probably resembled to them some sort of wet plate of meat because it was completely sodden and wet through. I knew then this was not really going well. They always say you've got, uh, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And my first impression was probably not one of the finest. So I asked for a moment, dry myself off. Um, is there anywhere that I can go? Um, you know, I've, I've had a, a little bit of an accident outside. And they immediately sort of directed me off to the gents' uh, toilets and said they'd wait for me outside, which I thought, it's a kindly gesture. It was the first tinge of sympathy that I'd noticed from them. But of course, that sort of waiting outside, all that did was sort of build up the pressure of cleaning myself as quickly as possible because I knew they were waiting outside. I'd looked at my watch. I realized that I was now five minutes late. And what's even worse is I knew that they knew I was five minutes late. So I needed to dry off as quickly as I could do. But the cleaning gods were not really looking down on me because there were no hand towels available. It was one of these places that just had a hand dryer, but it wasn't one of those old ones that spewed it out downwards. It's one that you just put your hands in like some sort of tunnel. And that wasn't going to dry my face or my legs or my arms. I mean, I could have tried, but I don't think I would have done that. And I probably would have got stuck. So basically it was useless. So I started looking around frantically for something to dry my whole sodden outfit, but there was absolutely nothing. And then it dawned on me, I know, let's use some toilet paper. That'll dab it off. So I did that, started dabbing around on my entire suit. It seemed to be working. Um, the toilet paper was getting getting wet. It was obviously taking some of the moisture off. I started to use it on my face and my hair. And I could sense that dryness starting to return. And at last, I thought, a stroke of good luck, finally. Put it all away. Turned around for one last look in the mirror before I went outside. And okay, great. Or well, what faced me was that the toilet paper had indeed absorbed some of the moisture, but it also started to disintegrate without me knowing and had covered my entire suit, face, head with some sort of down jacket of white fluff. I stared at the pitiful sight that was simply staring back at me and could almost have wept. Of course, I couldn't because I didn't really have anything to wipe away the tears. So I again started to brush away those sort of like minuscule slivers of those white tissue like paper that was trying to stuck all over me. But it was sort of easier said than done because this toilet paper had morphed into the most adhesive substance in the solar system. It literally could not come off no matter how hard I tried. Realizing that I'd been some time because I had. And there were two sets. I could I could sense the sets of feet impatiently tapping on that pristine floor outside. So I knew I, I couldn't hide in there any longer. I had to brave the exit. If I stayed any longer, it would just start feeling seeming really weird. But not as weird as I must have looked as I emerged resplendent with my newly acquired pieces of toilet paper that covered my entire frame. And I can still picture to this day, and it was a long time ago, their open-mouthed faces that greeted me. I, I skied quite a lot as a child, and we would ski across across the French Alps. Anyone had been there near Chamonix and around there, 
Uh, and those faces reminded me of the entrance to the Mont Blanc Tunnel. And if you've been there, you'll know exactly what I mean. So I said to them, you know, uh, it's a long story, but it appears you don't have anything particularly suitable to dry wet clothes or people. I do apologize for my appearance. Trying to inject some sort of humor to pierce that awkward silence, which continued. They simply looked at me and then one of them asked if I wanted to cancel the interview. Um, now, I'm no expert. I certainly wasn't at that time, but I knew that wasn't a good sign. But I'd come that far, so I was going to determined to see it through no matter what. Suffice to say, it didn't go well, and the job eluded me. But, and this is the more important thing, the lessons didn't. So I reflected on this, and I vowed never to make the same mistakes again. And to ensure that before any interview, always be fully prepared literally for anything because anything can happen as i found out because that really was a, a litany of issues that i faced now the easy thing for me to have done was to start that blame game it's the rain the stupid car park situated too far away oh the office building so badly designed the security guard the receptionist lack of drying facilities in the building the lack of empathy from the interviewers, the architects. I mean, literally, you, could, you can list them. And it makes you feel better. But I knew this would solve nothing. I needed to take ownership of what happened. If I had my time again, what would I have done differently? Well, an umbrella would have been a good start. If I had that, I wouldn't have got wet. I wouldn't have had to sprint to the building or get flecks of toilet paper all over my suit. I would have given the impression of a thoughtful and prepared candidate rather than a sloppy drowned rat. I could have called the receptionist a few days beforehand, maybe booked a car parking slot, asked what the entrance criteria is, any security checks so that I could adjust my timings better. As I thought about it, and as I do now, I realized there are numerous things you can do, but the most important one is not apportion blame to anyone else or anything else. Take ownership of what happens. Preparation, though, is not just limited to doing your due diligence on the company and who is interviewing you, but also logistical preparation. Where are they located? Is there adequate parking if you're going by car? Are they near public transport links? Can you go by that? What's the weather going to be like? If you're having a video interview, are you set up correctly? Does the technology work? Will you be undisturbed during the interview? We're often trained in sales, marketing, accounting, how to present, all of those kind of things. But when do we ever get training on how to conduct a job interview? After all, it is a skill in itself. And the answer is that we rarely, if ever, do. And it's not surprising because, quite honestly, how often do we go to job interviews? While we're at work for a company, we could be there for years, sometimes decades. And we don't need to have that skill. So as a consequence, here are 10 of the most common mistakes that happen at interview. And hopefully, 
these tips are going to help you perform to your very best at interviews in the future because I think it's important. We're always told all the things that you should be doing. Perhaps let's start to eliminate the ones that you shouldn't be doing, the obvious ones. But remember, it may feel like an interrogation, but the more that you prepare, the less it will feel like one. Preparation is absolutely key. So number one, what do you think the first one should be? Well, we've heard it enough times. Our parents have told us enough times. Don't turn up late. Punctuality is vital. There really is no worse first impression than arriving late for your interview. Unless, of course, you're late for your interview and soaking wet as well, and then come out of the loo covered in toilet paper. Uh, that probably could be slightly worse, I guess. But it immediately says to your prospective employer that if you are late, they will assume that you are disorganized, sloppy, disrespectful, all the things that they're going to look at and think, do I want to hire this person? And no matter how many excuses you come up with, you're always going to start on the back foot. And it's a tough one to get back out of it. So the key is manage your time to ensure that you arrive at least 15 minutes early. If you're going by public transport, then ensure that you leave plenty of time. Uh, I know currently it's probably quite easy to get around on public transport because not many people are using it during a pandemic. However, when we come out of it, it's going to take time. If, you, if you've had any experience of buses in London, for instance, you, or, or a 20-minute journey could well take an hour and 20 minutes. So leave time. Make sure that you know that you can, you can get there uh, no matter what the issue might be. Check the weather, especially if you live in places like the UK where the weather changes a lot. Um, make sure that you have also checked, is there any impending industrial action? So are the bus drivers, the train drivers, whoever it might be, going to go on strike? Find that out beforehand. If you're going by car, plot your route. Where will you park? How far will you have to walk from the car park to the office? If the car park's a mile away, regardless, even if it's a nice day, do you want to be, then be walking all that way? You don't want to get there with just a couple of minutes left and then looking all sweaty or tired or disheveled, out of breath. Not good. You want to have plenty of time to gather your thoughts because that sort of, oh, hey, good morning, uh, pleased to meet you kind of greeting to the interviewer because you're out of breath because you've had to, to jog to get there on time is not good. Are you having a video interview? And if you so, the same thing applies. 15 minutes beforehand, check your laptop, check the connections you've got, the broadband, wireless, whichever it might be. Make sure that all your audio settings work. All of the video uh, software, conferencing software, etc., all have audio tests available. Give yourself plenty of time to ensure that this is all working. It's up and it's connected. Again, I know so many people do it, but it's one of the worst first impressions you can do, where as soon as you get there, you're on mute. I can't hear you. You say, I can't hear you. No, I can't hear you. And you're, and you're fiddling around doing that. They want to see that you are on it from the moment that you appear on the video. So your aim is to be there, ready, all set to go, as soon as the interviewer turns up. But just as important as it is to arrive early, you don't want to arrive too early. Now, I know this sounds counterintuitive, but it's just as bad 
if you're doing a face-to-face interview to rock up to the office an hour before your interview. And I've seen this happen where candidates have got there an hour early, get to reception, say, I'm here. It leaves just as much a bad impression as it does if you're arriving late. So make sure you stick to that balance, that golden rule, get there around about 15 minutes beforehand. Number two, don't underdress for the occasion. One of the most common mistakes that people can make is going too casual. So you, know, you might might well work currently for somewhere that's it's no tie or it's a dress down policy, wear whatever you like. But going to an interview is going to be different. Um, would you be going with an open neck shirt? That could be could be a fatal mistake. My advice is quite simple. Work out what it is that is happening at that company you're going to. So do your research. What's the dress code for the company that you're interviewing at? What you want to do is reflect what they consider acceptable. Now, the dilemma is, what do you do if they have a dress down policy? And I'm asked this all the time. If they do, then always err on the side of caution. Take your dress to the next stage up, sort of smart, casual, if it's right down at the bottom. Don't let what you wear get in the way of the people interviewing you, seeing your skills and the great characteristics that you've got to offer. Remind yourself what your job role is and how would the interviewer expect you to dress. So, for example, if you were a salesperson in a customer facing role, working for, for example, a technology company selling financial software to investment banks, then you will need to be wearing a suit, shirt, tie, professional dress suit, clean, smart shoes. You need to look the part. If you turned up in shorts and a T-shirt, then it's not going to look the right tone. Similarly, if you're a developer working for a cutting edge startup tech firm, then arriving at the interview dressed in a suit and tie, etc., would be equally wrong. It wouldn't look right. You would need to pare it down a couple of notches, but still look smart. Um, And if you're still wondering what that would be, perhaps more like uh, going to a friend's dinner party at a nice restaurant. Check the company's social media. Um, They're really good. And Instagram have all the pictures that will have that you'll be able to see what people are doing, what they're wearing, how they're working. Uh, Videos on YouTube. There's plenty of ones there that talk about the culture of the business. Again, you'll get a sense of what it is that they uh, are dressed like. You want the interviewer to not only think that you're professional, but also that you fit in with the rest of the team and the culture of the business. Don't forget, this all applies to video interviews as well. And just because they can only see your top half, don't be tempted to just put the shirt on and stay in your boxes because one day it'll catch you out. So eliminate any possible pitfalls. Um, Number three, don't leave your phone on and definitely don't take a call. We all use cell phones all the time. I mean, we, we all do. We have them on ourselves. We're constantly looking at them. We literally can't seem to, to take two or three steps without having them. That's just the way it is. But the one place you don't want to have it is during your interview. The easiest mistake to make is um, 
is to actually sort of put it to the side and leave it on or put it on silent or on vibrate or you've just forgotten to turn that and it makes a noise and then you've got to fumble around nervously to like turn it off and even worse which i've heard before where you've just downloaded your new ringtone which you think is absolutely hilarious um and i've heard them all from uh the theme tune to to captain pugwash to some gangster rap with all the swearing full, full in as well you don't want that going off in the middle of your interview it's that, that's not going to help um i've even known situations where candidates have left their phone on they looked at it and said i'm terribly sorry i must take this and then proceeded to actually take the phone call and start talking and having a conversation during the interview which would last about 20 30 seconds put it down so oh, i'm really sorry i just needed to, to clear that up that that's never a good look so uh, but even with that even having it on to one side but on silent it will still distract you as soon as you see it shine up and also a lot of us have um smart watches as well i know i do and so even if i've got it on silent my watch will ping or do something or vibrate or come on with the message or whatever it is that's on there so switch it off completely make sure that you turn it off um i would suggest put it away put it you know put it in your bag or your case don't even take it in if, if necessary but the same goes for video interviews as well make sure that you turn your phone off move it away from your eye line don't get distracted by it um with video interviews uh, additional to that the same thing can be said for notifications on your computer close down other applications make sure all your notifications are switched off because you don't want that constant binging all the time it's distracting for both of you and the interviewer uh, if they start hearing that sort of constant barrage of bings during your interview again they will be put off their stride and they'll start thinking of something else other than what they want to be concentrating on which is how wonderful you are um the interviewer may may not notice that you've turned off your phone and put it away, but they will absolutely notice if it goes off. And not only will they notice it, but they will remember it. Every note that comes from your cell is like a red flag waving at the interviewer. All they hear is that you're not organized, you're disrespectful, you haven't thought ahead. And I can guarantee it that as soon as they come out of that interview, they'll say something to someone else. They'll say, they'll ask, what was that candidate like? Oh, his phone went off. So make sure that you turn it off, put it away. Competition at the moment is at an all-time high for roles and you don't want to provide red flags for your interviewer. Number four, don't greet with a weak handshake and watch your body language. Now, what is often described as that wet fish handshake, we've all had it, it can well be the first and last nail in the coffin of your interview. Um, similarly, you perhaps don't want to have that sort of Trump-esque handshake where you grab hold and start arm wrestling as well. But make sure it's in, in between. Now, obviously, at the moment, none of us should really be doing that. We do the elbow thing or the wave, but it will come back soon. So make sure that you, you think about it. But body language as a whole is an often ignored subject, but can be the difference between you failing and getting that dream job. You need to sort of exude confidence rather than arrogance, and it is a fine line between the two. 
So don't run your hands through your hair, fiddle with your pen, slouch in your chair. We've all heard about the folding your arms in front of you, which you can argue positively or negatively. But the fact is that the interviewer is going to perceive those as warning signs and they're not going to warm to you as a result of it. So the best thing you can do is practice interviewing in front of the mirror or even better, this is where you can get your phone out and you can start recording yourself. Now, I know that's not um, the most ideal thing for most of us, but try it. See how poised you look. Um, if you're not too sure about that, watch some top celebrities, the world leaders for tips. They will have had endless media training and some will interview brilliantly. Watch what they do with their hands and how they stand or they sit. And this is particularly relevant for video interviews. So watch those ones when they're on the news, for instance. Your facial expressions and what you do with your hands will be under really, really close scrutiny. So practice how you look during your video interview. Um, imagine, if you will, that you have a heavy crown that you've placed on your head. It's quite a tall crown, weighs a lot, but you must keep it balanced on your head. And this crown is made of solid gold covered in emeralds and rubies and flawless diamonds, you'll immediately sense, if you're doing that with me now, that you're sitting more upright. As soon as you do this, your lungs will take in more air. This will help you relax. It will give you the appearance of calm, but all you're doing is getting more oxygen into your system. You will appear far more articulate and confident. Try it out, practice it, see what happens. I promise you won't look stupid as well. Now, we all get nervous from time to time. I mean, every single one of us does whenever we're doing uh, interviews, especially. Um, but what you've got to try and do is learn to become self-aware. And the only real way that I think you're going to start getting that self-awareness is by practicing. Practicing interviews um, while filming yourself is a great way of seeing what your instinctive traits are. Um, Compare that with some of the great interviews that are on YouTube. Look for top actors, politicians, um, see how well they perform, but also look out for some of the bad ones because you can learn a hell of a lot from that as well. Uh, start watching the news. I, I spend a lot of time uh, doing that and you can, you can really start to read body language. Um, I did this many years ago and I, started to, I, I still do it now where you're looking at different people being interviewed. And you immediately try and work out, are they happy? Are they sad, nervous, anxious, truthful, deceptive? And what I would suggest is write down the tells. What did you notice that made you think what they were doing, whether they were nervous or sad, etc.? Learning to get more attuned to reading and analyzing body language can only help you master your own body language and start to be able to read what the interviewer is thinking. Just imagine how powerful that is. Now, number five, don't say too much and don't say too little. This might sound counterintuitive, but nerves can often get the better of us. And one of the ways we show this is by either talking at a million miles an hour without pause or just answering yes or no to every question posed. Either way, um, it's going to create a barrel load of awkwardness, ruin the interview. You want to listen well. Uh, I've always uh, advocated um, this expression, which is you've got two ears and one mouth and we need to use them in that proportion. Be succinct 
but make sure you listen to what you have been asked. Come armed with some great examples of your successes at work. Practice answering questions before you go to the interview. For sure, you know we're going to be nervous when you get to your to your interview, whether it's face to face, on video, when our bodies get nervous or our natural defense mechanisms kicked in. And this is when our what is it the fight, fright, or flight instinct comes into play. The fightiness will ensure that you suddenly turn into a motor mouth. There's literally no stopping you. And that's sort of a bit like me. If I if I if I'm under pressure, that, that's exactly what I'll do. So then your well-reasoned minute-long answer will turn into a 15-minute diatribe. The fright in us, on the other hand, will make that's the one that makes you clam up, give the monosyllabic answers, yes or no, for a period of time. And and those yes or no will just mean one thing, which is a no. Now, hopefully, nobody will invoke the flight response as nobody wants to see anyone walk out of an interview midstream, although I have to say I have known that to happen. Now, don't badmouth your current employer. Number six, you may well be frustrated at your current job and your boss might be the boss from hell, the worst one you could ever possibly have. But don't feel tempted to spend a large part of your interview complaining bitterly about everything that is happening in your current company, then you're assigning if your own death warrant if you do. Always try to be positive. Look for the great things about your current role. Focusing on uh, career progression and the great challenge in the new role rather than complaining about all the bad processes and people is far better. Don't start moaning about how stale you feel. Now, I'm not suggesting that you lie. You don't need to go overboard and start saying how much you love and respect your current boss if he is an absolute horror. But you do need to focus on the positives. But there really must be some positives there somewhere. There's got to be some. Best thing you can do is work on this before you get to the interview. Be prepared and practice your responses. Think about practical examples of, of where you've worked as a team, collaborated on great new projects. When you complain about your current or your previous uh, employers, all the interviewer hears is a difficult employee who forever complains. And the interviewer will invariably take the previous employer's side because all they're doing is thinking if he's like that about them, they're probably going to be like that about me. So, for I mean, for instance, there's a difference between saying, let me think of an example. Here we go. Difference between saying, uh, yeah, the company were hopeless. They never wanted to promote me. Um, or pay me more money, even though I over-delivered on all my projects, I stayed late and I worked weekends. Now, that's pretty negative. Why not try saying, I really enjoyed collaborating with the team at the company, working tight deadlines, delivering projects ahead of schedule. There's no greater feeling than knowing that the long days and weekends help drive the business forward. It gave me invaluable experience leading successful project teams. Now, I know which one sounds better. So try doing this in all areas that you feel negative about with your previous work. Um, the best thing I could suggest is write out how you feel negatively about your previous company or companies. Write them all out. Get it all out in the open. Put it, put it on, on a sheet of paper. And then beneath each one, write a positive spin. Write the positive of the negative reality that you sensed. 
and then practice them. And that way, you'll get used to doing it. But important, as we are in number seven, to reiterate, don't lie. Because if you do, you will get found out. Honesty really is the best policy in this instance. And this starts with your resume. And you need to remember that this is a factual document, not a great work of fiction. Make sure that you're not making facts and figures in your resume and, and ensure that the uh, all the dates that you're putting in there, the companies, et cetera, all match up with your LinkedIn profile. Interviewers will naturally, as soon as they get a, a CV or resume, the first thing they end up doing is looking at your LinkedIn profile. And if there's a difference there that you can bet your bottom dollar, that's going to be the topic of conversation throughout most of your interview. Now, I'm not suggesting that you list every single deal that you've lost, but don't add deals you haven't won. If you're in sales, performance against quota is always going to be important and be honest in what you have achieved. With the advent of social media and Google searches, it's pretty simple to do, I mean, even the basic background checks. And, and you've got to assume, have to assume that the interviewer is going to have done their homework. So it's probably not a good idea to say, for instance, that you've won a few marathons if you struggle to get off the couch at dinner time. During the interview, you need to be confident in what you've done and not just make things up. It happens all too often that candidates want to embellish their great war stories, which is quite natural. A bit of, in, a bit of artistic license is absolutely fine. But what you don't want to be doing is creating some Walter Mitty character with little semblance to, to anything that's actually happened. Again, you can practice your responses, how you can put a positive spin on all your experiences. Number eight, don't get too personal. The interview is really going well. You're really clicking. Everything's doing, the interviewer is smiling, your response is laughing at different things. You know you're getting on really, really well. It's really easy to forget that you're in a job interview and suddenly, before you know it, you're sharing a little too much information about what you got up to last weekend. Now, the interviewer may well be smiling when you're saying all of that, but mentally, he's drawing a line through your application. So you've got to remember, remain professional at all times. Make sure that your anecdotes don't overstep the line. Some of the most dangerous times uh, for the interview are most likely not during the main bits where you're getting pressured on on questions but it's actually during the breaks so if you're going for uh, a comfort break coffee break or <clears throat> excuse me or even when uh, you finish right at the end and instead of those probing questions about past experience you move towards how your local team did at the weekend and whether you watch the match now, by all means, engage in friendly conversation because I mean, that's really good. You can, it's great to develop rapport. You're finding common ground. But remember that this is your prospective employer and not one of your buddies from the bar. So similarly, watch what you ask the interviewer as well. Don't overstep the boundary. So uh, keep that in mind throughout it, which brings us neatly onto number nine, which is don't swear. And sometimes we can be so used to using rich language now and again that it becomes second nature. <clears throat> Don't let a great interview uh, run away from you because you've forgotten what you were saying as you were talking about the football, for instance. 
is a really easy mistake to make. Stay professional throughout the whole event from before you get to the office to after you've left it. Now, I hear you say, because I've heard this a lot, but what happens if the interviewer starts swearing about something whilst we're chatting? That's fine. They can. Let them do whatever they want, but you don't need to mirror it. It isn't an invitation for you to showcase your knowledge of good old-fashioned Anglo-Saxon words. However tempted you may be to use them, don't. You stay professional. I have seen it all too often where great candidates who are performing exceptionally well, and then as they are describing a project or a sale they've made, just drop in a couple of F-bombs. And I've seen the visible look of shock and disappointment from the other interviewers, especially directors, MDs, CEOs. And this is especially true if you're interviewing for a customer-facing role, because they will rightly think, if the candidate is swearing to me during a job interview, what will they say to my biggest customer on the sales call? Now, you can often get yourself into the habit of swearing, especially if you don't have kids around um, and you're spending more time with your with your friends on the golf course or wherever, which is fine. But learn to kick the habit before you start your rounds of interviews. Um, a good tip might be practice a non-swear word as your default word rather than the F-bomb or et cetera. Um, change it to that. And again, you're going to have to practice it. Number 10, not doing your research and not following up. Not doing your homework at school is one thing, but you can't blame the dog for eating it when it comes to your interview. Learn about the company its culture, its values, products, clients. There are so many sources you can use from its own webpage to social media, news articles. Research who's interviewing you on LinkedIn. Google them. Have they written some articles or been interviewed for their company? Know about the role, who works in the company. All of this is going to show your interest in the company and demonstrate to the interviewer that you're someone who puts in extra effort to be successful. They're not expecting you to know everything, but do not turn up and know nothing about the role of the business. Now, I know this is um, a subject for debate. Often uh, I've, I've seen on, on articles on LinkedIn and elsewhere where they're saying, you know, the onus on doing all your research and talking about the company and finding out about stuff is overrated. Trust me, it isn't. You've got to know about it. Check their social media. What are they proud of? What do they talk about a lot? Because all these companies will do. Take a couple of examples of this and use these as examples of how impressed you are with the business. Remember the interviewer will invariably be really passionate about the company you're interviewing at. They, they love it. Show them that you love it just as much, that you are inspired by their stories and achievement, and it will make a massive difference, the, the difference between progressing and being rejected. And then finally, make sure that you follow up. It's a really good tip that during the interview, you can say, do you mind if I call you in a couple of days' time and find out and getting some feedback on what it... Invite it. That way you can. But it's important to do that. Don't just let it let it drop and go. Bonus tip. I'll give you one more. I know I said 10, but I'll give you a bonus. Remember 
that your interview starts the moment you walk into the building. That means that everyone you meet is as, as important as the interviewer themselves. So don't be tempted to treat the receptionist or any other person, no matter how wet you are, <laughs> in any kind of discourteous way. Quite often, the first people you meet will report back to the interviewer how their interaction with you went. If you were rude or dismissive to them, that could be red flag that will destroy all your good work that you've produced in the interview itself. And the same goes with video interviews. You may well meet assistants, technicians, other team members. Be courteous, polite, allow your personality to shine through to all. These people will be your new work colleagues. Make a lasting good impression. Anyway, I hope that these 10 tips plus a bonus stand you in good stead for your job interview going forward. I, I wish you all the very best of luck with it. If you have any questions, you can come back. You can ask questions either on the podcast or reach out to me on social media. Um, Nigel GJ or, uh, on Twitter, Nigel Gordon Johnson on Facebook, Nigel Gordon Johnson on LinkedIn, <laughs> Nigel GJ runs on Instagram. I'm on all of those different areas. I also have um, a copy uh, of this with the 10 tips of things that you shouldn't be doing at interview. I completely free. So if you need that, I will set the links in here as well. Also on uh, all my social media platforms. So you can go there and download it for free. Um, and with that, I shall leave you with just one thought that if all else fails, remember one more thing. Always take an umbrella with you, just in case. Stay safe. Thanks very much. And we'll speak soon.